Hello, and welcome to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I am your host, Mr. Miller. This podcast will cover a number of topics that happened on this date in history. Please visit the podcast webpage at thishappentoday.buzzsprout.com. There you can download the notes page, which will help you organize the information, as well as develop your own ideas on how these events change the world around us. If you're interested in hearing more, please consider subscribing so you will not miss out on what happens tomorrow in history. Today is June 10th. On this day in 1947, Swedish airplane manufacturer Saab AB introduced the press to their first prototype automobile in the company's headquarters. It was dubbed the Yursaab, which translates to original Saab. This vehicle led the first production Saab in 1949, the Saab 92. Saab AB had been producing warplanes for World War II but launched an automobile design product in 1945. The project was codenamed X9248. Later becoming formally known as Project 92, as this was the next production vehicle following Project 91, a single-engine trainer aircraft. Saab wanted to produce a vehicle that would uh, would complete with a small German vehicle such as those from Opel and Adler. A 16-person team was assembled to design the vehicle, but none of the engineers had experience with automobiles and only two had driver's licenses. After studying vehicles from a junkyard and gathering intel on the manufacturing process, the team spent years developing their own vehicle. The outcome of their project was their first four prototypes built prior to the production of the Saab 92 was a front-wheel drive vehicle that originally used the DKW 18-horsepower two-cylinder two-stroke engine attached to a DKW gearbox. The engine and transmission were later replaced by internally designed components. The team put 330,000 miles on the car during test drives, proving the vehicle was worthy of production. The introduction of Saab 92, which went into full-scale production in December of 1949, saw the company enter the automotive marketplace for the first time. A majority of the first run of 92 were painted green, as the company had much surplus war paint that they needed to use up. The vehicle remained in production until 1956. The Ursaab is currently on display at the Saab Car Museum in Trollhattan. And before the bridges across the River Thames opened, the designers hailed it as a pure expression of engineering structure. They compared its sleek look to a blade of light. Engineers called it an absolute statement for our capabilities at the beginning of the 21st century. But it's what happened on opening day that is a subject of Strogatz number three nature paper. The Millennium Bridge, a 320 meter long lateral suspension bridge connecting London's financial district to Bankside south of the river opened June 10th of 2000. Thousands of pedestrians streamed over it. At first, the bridge was still. Then it began to sway, just slightly. Then almost from one moment to the next, the wobble intensified, and suddenly people were walking like tentative ice skaters, planting their feet wide, pushing out to the side with each step, left, right, left, right, in near-perfect unison. The synchrony was utterly unintentional, but it was those unchoreographed footballs, says Strogatz, they were responsible for turning a $32 million design triumph into a very embarrassing engineering quandary. The bridge was closed almost immediately. Strogatz, who has studied the collective behavior of biological oscillators from neurons to fireflies, describes each of the factors that contributed to the bridge's swaying in his paper. Cornell graduate student Daniel Abrams is one of the paper's co-authors. The problem, says Strogatz, was that one of crowd dynamics as much as engineering. 
The bridge surpassed standards for withstanding weight and wind. Every non-human element had been tested. Instead of focusing on the structure, Strogatz examined the strange phenomena of people unknowingly working together simply by walking. The military has known for years that troops marching in step can create enough vertical force to destroy a bridge. It is standard practice for soldiers to break step at every bridge crossing. But the Millennium Bridge problem is not that quite the same, says Strogatz. In this case, the movement was lateral, not vertical. More importantly, the people were just pedestrians. No one was trying to walk in step. Pedestrians did so only to accommodate the bridge's movement under their feet. But which came first, the bridge's movement or the synchronous strides? And what set the whole thing off? It's a chicken and egg problem, says Strogatz. That's what our paper explains. From the beginning, the bridge had two factors working against it. It was by design a flexible structure, and its natural frequency is close to that of the human walking. From there, Strogatz says, all it needed was a relatively small crowd to spark the wobble. If the people are initially disorganized and random, if a few of them get into sync by accident, the bridge would become unstable, he says. With a certain critical number of pedestrians, the wobbling becomes marked enough to force everyone into stride, thus compounding the problem. In the critical number of pedestrians tested subsequently on the Millennium Bridge and derived independently by Strogatz and co-authors is as low as 160. An estimated 80,000 people crossed the bridge on opening day with as many as 2,000 on at any one time. I'm not a civil engineer and I know nothing about bridges, says Strogatz. What I do know is group behavior. That was our contribution. The Millennium Bridge reopened in 2002 after engineers fitted it with 91 dampers to absorb both lateral and vertical oscillations. The modifications cost about $8.9 million. If Strogas's analyst analysis is correct, and we hope that someone will test it, he says, engineers will be able to use it to prevent such expensive, embarrassing, and possibly dangerous fiascos in the first place. They could solve the problem before they build it. That's what this theory will do. In addition to Abrams, the paper Crowd Synchrony and the Millennium Bridge was authored by Alan McRobbie of University of Cambridge, Bruno Eckert of Fabrice Physik, Philips Universitat in Marburg, Germany, and Edward Ott of the University of Maryland. Eckert and Ott solved the problem independently for the same result. In 1978, the 11th winner of the U.S. Triple Crown, Affirmed, was born on February who was born on February 21, 1945. He was the great-grandson of Triple Crown winner War Admiral. He was sired by exclusive native, and his dam was Won't Tell You. As a two-year-old, he won seven out of nine starts and was named the 1977 American champion two-year-old Colt. In the 1970 Kentucky Derby, he was second choice, but he came through and won by one and a half lengths. In the Preakness Stakes, he won by a neck. Then he won narrowly at the Belmont Stakes by a nose. This made him the 11th winner of the U.S. Triple Crown. In late August, he returned to racing with a close win in the Jim Dandy Stakes and then went up against 1977 Triple Crown winner Seattle Slough for the first time. He placed third behind Seattle Slough and Acceler in the Marlboro Cup Invitational Handicap. As a three-year-old, he had won eight out of 11 starts and was named Horse of the Year. He was also named the American Champion Three-Year-Old Horse. In 1979, as a four-year-old, he started the season with a third place in Malibu Stakes and a second in the San Fernando Stakes. He had a five-race losing sequence prior to starting in the Charles H. Strub Stakes. He won the Strub Stakes and then he easily won the Santa Anita Handicap. After that, he went to Hollywood Park where he won the California Stakes. Then he went to Hollywood Gold Cup and then won the, Holl- the Woodward Stakes and the Jockey, Cup Gold Cup. Jockey Club Gold Cup. He was named Horse of the Year and American Champion Older Male Horse of 1979. As a stud, he sired over 80 stakes winners. In 2001, he was euthanized after falling ill with laminitis. 
In his ultimate honor for a racehorse, he was buried whole at John Abel Farm. His career, he earned $2,393,818. His record was 29 starts, 22 wins, 5 seconds, and 1 third. In 1980, he was elected to the United States Racing Hall of Fame and was ranked number 12 on the Blood Horse Magazine's ranking of the top 100 thoroughbred horses of the 20th century. You have been listening to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I thank you for listening and I hope that you have enjoyed learning about historical events from the past. Thank you to the following websites for their information regarding today's topics. ThePeopleHistory.com Sweden's Saab, first car produced at AutomotiveHistory.org Millennium Bridge at ScienceDaily.com and Affirmed wins Triple Crown at TripleCrownRaces.com the music used as the background track for this podcast is Americana, created by Kevin McLeod on Incompetech.com. If you enjoyed this information and would like to hear more, please consider subscribing, as this will keep the historical events in your feed in the morning for each day. I hope you have a great day.